0: Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God.
1: Um, If you could open up your Bibles with me to Jonah chapter 4. If you've been with us uh, the last couple months, last time we are down in the pit of the uh, fish's belly downstairs for chapter 2 and 3, and now we've been vomited upstairs onto dry land. So we're going to pick up with where we are in Jonah chapter 4. I know it's, it's one of my favorite uh, books in the scriptures. And... Uh, just pray that the Lord will speak to all of us tonight through it. I'm going to read its so all the uh, verses as if you've been with us are very short except for chapter one that was about 17 verses. The rest are uh, very quick. So I'm going to read the 11 verses in chapter four. A little recap: uh, Jonah was told by God to go to minister to ISIS. I mean uh, Nineveh. Um, very similar, very barbaric, very uh, very mean, uh, vicious people. And Jonah knew the nature of God. He knew his character. He knew He was graceful, he knew he was merciful, long-suffering, slow to anger, always looking to forgive if there was repentance. And Jonah didn't want the Ninevites to come to know the Lord. So he headed in the opposite direction in chapter 1. And God sent a storm on the seas to try to get Jonah's attention. Then in chapter 2, God prepared a fish for Jonah. And we know that Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Then in chapter 3, he vomited, vomited Jonah onto dry land. And it was back where... He was supposed to go in the first place to Nineveh, and he goes to the Ninevites, and he preaches a a message of eight words, and thousands and thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, repent. And we're going to pick up in verse 10 of chapter 3, and then go into the 11 verses of 4, and then we'll go back, and the message tonight is... Be prepared, just be prepared, you and I, just be prepared, and I think that's something that the Lord wants all of us to do, and I think he's going to show us how he did that through Jonah, and how he wants to do it in your life and my life, regardless of what's going on right now. If nothing's going on in your life right now, awesome, that's great. If everything is cool, awesome. But if you are struggling, if things are going on, whether it be a friend, a relative, a family member, uh, your health, economic, social, whatever's going on. God is right there in the midst of it, and he wants you to be aware of that. Okay, let's jump in. Chapter 3, verse 10. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, For it's better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It's better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night, and it perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons, who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. Verse 1, it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became very angry. Have you ever been angry with God? Have you ever questioned him and said, what is going on, Lord? Well, you're in good company if you had because Jonah did the very same thing. But regardless of all the things that have gone on in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3, remember Jonah has just been vomited out of the belly of the fish where he was three days and three nights in the fish's belly. But yet he still has an attitude, doesn't he? He still has that anger. He still has that, um, that personality that he's really upset with the Lord because he hates the Ninevites. He hates what they stand for. He hates what they do to people. He hates the fear that they bring. He hates the torture that they have inflicted on people. Verse 2, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious, gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in lovingkindness one who relents from doing harm. We've got to be careful how much we criticize Jonah throughout this book because he is a godly man. He didn't run away from God, spiritually speaking. He ran away from God because he did not want to bring a message of salvation to our pagan, barbaric nation who was dominating the land at the time. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Situated right in that area that we know today as Iraq. Right there in the heartbed of everything that's going on today. And I had mentioned previously that I personally believe that the demonic forces that were there back then in this day with Jonah are still there today. Because we're dealing with those spiritual forces. And uh, Satan's shown his head more and more over there. And we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared what could be happening to our country one day. But more importantly, we need to be prepared what's going to happen challenge-wise to our hearts. How we're going to respond to the things that come into our life. That might be happening right now or might be taking place later tonight or tomorrow or next week. One of the things I want to point out that we need to do like Jonah is the beginning of verse 2. He prayed to the Lord. Even though he was angry, he still communicated with God. Don't allow your anger, your confusion to stop you with communication with your God. It's okay. He wants you to communicate. If you're a parent, you want your child to communicate with you. When even though he doesn't underst- those little lives don't understand what's going on you want that open door of communication it's so important that we as God's sons and daughters keep that line of communication open and then we see in the old testament remember this is the old testament i believe Jonah was one of the very books that when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection and he was with two of his apostles who did not recognize him. I believe Jonah was one of the books he went through, starting with Genesis and coming through Jonah to share with his apostles who he was and how he was so vividly alive in the Old Testament. And here's a great example, the book of Jonah, how Jesus himself authenticates Jonah, it's not a fairy tale. Jesus said, just as Jonah was in the fish's belly three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights before he's resurrected. How cool is that, that he uses the Old Testament? Because that's all that was around them was the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament to go to. So here we see a, a live book Of Jesus. Remember Jonah when uh, the sailors threw him overboard? One life being sacrificed for the salvation of the people on the ship. Another foreshadowing of Jesus, one life being slain, being sacrificed for the salvation of the world. So we see Jesus right in the midst of Jonah. So here's Jonah having a pity party, an emotional guy, roller coaster emotional guy. Verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. I don't want to see the Ninevites saved. I can't stand them. Who is it in your life, my life? Who is it in our world? Is it the terrorist who is being judged today? I know, I think, Marie and I were listening was... 30 counts, and they were up to count number nine that he was found guilty. Do we want him to be executed? Does he deserve to be executed? Probably yes, through the law of our land. But I think God wants us to pray for that man's salvation. Yes, he killed a few people and maimed hundreds. But God wants us to pray for our enemies. That's the hard part. That's the difficult part. We can relate to Jonah just when we think of that trial that's going on right now in our country. Jesus died for that bomber just like he died for you and me. So here we see it's better for me to die than to live. And then the Lord asks a question in verse 4 Is it right for you to be angry? And we're going to see in verse 5, Jonah doesn't answer God. He doesn't give an answer back, although by his actions, he does. And we'll look at that in a second. The Lord often asks you and I questions through the quietness in our hearts, through that still, small voice that is the Holy Spirit. And it's through those questions that He shows you your heart and my heart, where we are in our walk in our relationship with him you might say well Lord why am I going through this right now I I spend time with you every day I'm praying without ceasing how can this be going on in my life that might be the kind of question that you throw up to the Lord in verse 5 so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city so We've got to get in the mind of Jonah. What is he doing? Why is he? He already knows that the king and all the people are in a repentance mode. Even the livestock, there's fasting going on. And we saw in the end of verse 3 that God saw their works and that they turned from their evil ways. And God relented from the disaster that he was going to bring upon them and he didn't do it. But what is Jonah doing? He's going up on the hill to sit on the east side of the city so he can see this huge kingdom of Nineveh. It's so large that it takes three days to walk from the entrance to the end of it. So you know he can't see everything in in the kingdom, but he sees a lot of the city, and he's going up there, and what's he waiting for? I think he's hoping for that one chance that God might bring judgment on these people. He's still hoping for that. Now, how about you and me? God has shown his grace and mercy on all of us that are here tonight. How much do we understand God's mercy and grace? I don't. I have no clue. Once in a while, I'll get a glimpse of it, but just uh, enough that I can handle. But yet here, Jonah is trying to be like God. He wants to distribute grace here a little bit, more over here, some mercy back there a little bit, but I'll give more in the back. Can you imagine if the God of Jonah behaved that way to Jonah and the things that were going on in Jonah's life? How about you and I? Imagine if God measured out how much mercy and grace he was going to give you and me. I think like you, we want as much grace and mercy from God as we can get. Give it all to us, Lord. Keep pouring it on. We need every ounce of mercy and grace that you can give us. And he gives us tons. And he'll always give us tons because he loves us. But how often do we have the mentality of a Jonah towards others? That we want to measure out how much mercy and grace we bestow to them. Pray that we aren't like that. Pray that we have the heart of God, that we have the unconditional love, that we want to give to all the grace and mercy that God has given us. Remember what the scripture says, as we show forgiveness to others, God will show forgiveness to us. That's important to understand in God's word. You want to be forgiven, we've got to forgive others. So if there's someone in your life or a group of people in your life that you haven't forgiven, Bring it to the cross tonight. Start afresh so God can minister to you more wholeheartedly. Verse 6. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. What kind of condition was Jonah in right now what has he done to deserve this shade this shady character Jonah is being given a gift by the Lord of shade to cover him and look what Jonah did also in verse 5 Jonah went on the east side of the city with wrong motives. He isolated himself from the people that he went and preached a sermon to where thousands, it was a great revival. When a preacher teaches to someone or gives the gospel and they come to the Lord, there should be interaction, there should be communication, there should be fellowship going on. Jonah isolated himself. Dear people, don't isolate yourselves from the people of God. Don't isolate, don't be a lone range Christian, lone ranger Christian. Be right there with those people that God has brought into your life. As the scripture shows us, that fellowship is so crucial for our spiritual growth. Notice in uh, end of six, Jonah was grateful for the plant. Oh, he's pumped. The roller coaster Christian is, is pumped now. He's happy that God has given him a shade. The castor oil plant is supposedly the plant that grew up over Jonah. And they say it can grow 12 to 18 inches every hour or two. It's a fast-growing plant. And I put a um, leaf up here on the the screen. And you can see that's pretty big. But they said that the castor oil plant could actually get 10 feet diameter. It could be as as large as 10 feet. This is not a castor oil plant. But this gives you an idea what about a 10 foot plant would look like. So just picture Jonah up on that hill, and the Lord this plant for him to shade him, to cover him. You can guarantee it was better than the shade that he built with his own hands. I look at this as a thing of comfort. What is it in our life that we are staying in our comfort zone? Something that we've created, that we think our hands have made, but yet our God wants us to be in his shade. He wants us to be in the shadow of his wings. We want to be close to him like chicks to a mother hen where he covers us and we're close to our heart. He might have given you things to give you comfort, and that's awesome. But the key is don't allow that comfort zone to be your idol. Let it be something you glorify God in and allow God to use you through that. Don't let it be a hiding place. Verse seven, so we see, I'm sorry, in verse six, we see he prepared a plant. Remember the message tonight is be prepared. He prepared a plant. Now we see in verse seven, as morning dawned, the next day God prepared a worm. Okay, what's this worm gonna do? We find out right here, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. Uh Uh-oh. So God went from preparing something of a comfort to something now there's a loss here. This this worm did some damage, so much damage that it withered just in that time frame that he was there. So overnight, this took place, and in the morning, it's a new day, the sun is coming up. There's a worm. Now, we talked about in the Scripture, in the Jonah, where do we see Jesus Christ? We see him in the resurrection of Jonah being three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. We're going to see him here again, here in this uh, worm. So let's take a look at that now. This worm is called the scarlet or crimson worm. And you're looking at it right now, but it actually looks, I think, to me, and I don't know about to you, it looks like a little piece of fruit or something. But it's actually a grub. It's more of a grub than a worm. It's a living thing. And what you're looking at right now are two of these crimson worms or grubs. Okay? And it's very interesting. In Psalm 22 where Jesus refers, or the psalmist refers to the Messiah. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. refers to the Messiah as a worm. It's the same scarlet or crimson worm. And, and it's really cool what goes on here with this worm. Now here you're seeing some more of the worms. These are not fruits. And I want you to notice some things here. Notice the branch, how it's red, compared to the branch where they're not on. You see the difference right there in the two branches? You see the grayish branch. And then where all the grubs are, where the crimson worm is, you can see the effect. Notice the redness on the branch. Notice the redness on the leaves. And of course, the grub itself the redness on the grub. Where it is not attached, it's just that gray branch. Now one of the things that happens is this grub will attach itself to a stick, a branch, a tree, and it will give birth to its offspring, and they will it will attach itself to a tree, and it will not move. And the babies will be born under the protection of the mother, okay? And now, while the babies are hatching, when they hatch, they will feed off the mom. They'll actually be eating the mom. The mom will be dying, okay? And the last part, when that is coming to completion, the mother will give off a red dye. And that red dye will stain its babies. It will also stain the tree. You're seeing up here the stain. Here's a picture where there were grubs and the stain it left on the tree. After three days, after the mother dies, three days after the mother dies, The shell of the mom turns white and falls to the ground like snow. Your sins and my sins were scarlet, red. Our sins. And what happened when Jesus paid the price through his death on the cross? Our sins became white as snow. So we have right here in Jonah again a great image of our Savior. Dying to give life to those people who come under His covering that feed off of Him. Jonah, in the last part of verse 8, I'm sorry, the last part of verse 7. After the withering of the plant, verse 8, and it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. There's a uh, psalm that talks about a uh, vehement east wind that crushes the ships of Tarshish. Such a violent wind. I picture like a hurricane or a tornado type of wind but this wind came and it just must have been blowing strong and it must have been a hot wind and the sun is beating on Jonah so bad that he wants to die. Again, think of how his emotions changed from one of joy and he was happy. This is the first time we ever see him happy in verse 6 because of the plant and now in verse 8 we see he wants to die again just in a matter of hours. How much like Jonah are you and I with the circumstances that change in our life, how we fluctuate our emotions. Yet Paul says we need to have the mind of Christ that we could become content in all circumstances. And as you and I continue to just get into God's word and draw closer and closer to God's heart, he'll change us so we're more content in the circumstances that will be coming into our life. We'll be prepared because we have the mind of Christ. Verse 9, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. You got to love his honesty, right? You got to love this guy's honesty. But he still doesn't get it. He still doesn't get it. Salvation is crucial here while we're on this earth for every single individual that we see. Even the strangers that drive by in a car. Maybe it's your prayer, Lord, I don't know who just went by in the car at 70 miles an hour, but protect them, bless them, save them. That prayer could set into motion a king, an eternal a kingdom experience of salvation for that person. Do we take advantage of that time? We should. And then God who prepared the plant, the worm, he prepared that vehement east wind. He uses all those as object lessons for Jonah in verse 10. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night, and it perished in a night. You put all this favor in this plant, Jonah. You had nothing to do with it. You didn't water it. You didn't plant it. You just benefit from it. Just like you benefited, Jonah, from my grace and mercy and my calling on your life. You did nothing to deserve any of that, Jonah. But yet, I love you and I cared for you. Those things that God brought into Jonah's life, what are the things in your life and my life that God has prepared in order to prepare you and me for works for him? What is God using in our life to prepare our heart better to be used by him? It's the very circumstances that we're going through, whether we're conscious of them or not. And then God goes to the heart of the matter in verse 11, and he goes, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock? We can look at this two ways. One is, there was over 120,000 infants and children who were innocent, who have not come to that age of accountability. And and God is saying to Jonah, what, you want me to wipe out these kids who haven't even had a chance to know me yet, Jonah? Would that be right, Jonah, to do that, along with the livestock? And another way you can look at this, 120,000, is they're morally blind. They have not come to the realization that there is a God That is a real God. You have to remember back in this era that Dagon, the fish God, was one of their gods, was one of the Ninevites' gods, half man and half fish. Isn't it something that God used, the very thing that the people were worshiping to get their attention, this fish, to vomit Jonah onto land. I wonder if there were fishermen out there or kids playing on the beach, and they saw this huge fish, and they saw it vomit Jonah, and they saw this guy coming on the beach, and word just spread. How did God use the very blindness of their faith to get their attention? He did that with me in the religion I came out of, God knew I was sincere in my following my religion. He read my heart and he and he opened up my eyes. I bet some of you are, can say the same thing. In Matthew twelve, thirty-nine Jesus said, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. But he answered, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented repentant at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. I think in our lives God always wants us to repent, you and I. There's always things that maybe we've been doing, and, and it's not really like a blatant sin. It might just be anger towards someone that is keeping us from a sweeter fellowship with our Lord. So as we close tonight, just think of things that maybe God has shown you through the story of Jonah how much really like Jonah we are, you know, in our different ways that we look at things. May God change our hearts from the heart of Jonah to more of a heart of Jesus, where it's a forgiving heart, a heart that is always trying to get right with the Lord, and we just want to follow Him. And through the power of His Holy Spirit, He answers our prayer. That is a prayer of our hearts.